1: Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? We had some bad breaks
2: in that. The officer that saw the fire supervisor's vehicle at the Hess station, she did what she was supposed to do. She went in, she turned in a tip sheet.
3: You know, it's just like, come on. I mean, something's not right. You know, that's a big leak. I mean, you see a car, that the woman's missing, an hour before they go off the grid, or half an hour, right here by the area.
1: I'm news columnist John H. Juarez, and welcome back to Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? The years went by... And the police were no closer in solving the mystery of what happened to a 32-year-old firefighter and mother of two who went missing August 17, 2006. We know that police ruled out drug violence pretty early on. They also cleared Brandy's husband, Jeff Hall. When things hit a wall, they then brought in the FBI to explore the possibility that Brandy, as her lover Randall Richmond had said, simply left. Here's Ernie Diebel, who was the lead detective until he retired, talking about some of the FBI's findings.
0: Some, for some reason, Brandy disappears the night before. She knows that her husband is going to jail, and everybody says she wouldn't leave. The FBI did a profile on the case. Due to her loss, her job, Brandy had limited financial means. Pretty much, there's no... She couldn't have left. She couldn't have left. Right. Plus, we had her truck. Okay, the truck was her, was, was like a kid to her. I mean, she valued that truck highly. It was a nice four by four pickup. You know, she wouldn't just damage that truck. Again, this is, the FBI says a significant amount of blood, Brandy's blood in the truck, even after it's completely submerged in the lake. This is just that she was severely injured and unlikely to have walked away at her own accord.
1: So the idea that Brandy just disappeared that she walked out on her life and her two young children was discounted. Not only did her friends and family say she would never have done that, as we've heard in earlier episodes, but the FBI suggested she wouldn't have had the money to do that. And there's the matter of her blood. So while Brandy's disappearance has remained an active investigation in Palm Bay, we learned that two retired detectives, Sid Liddow and Doc Jones, were Or called in to see what, if anything, they could dig up. And it was through the work of Sid and Doc that we learned the alibi offered up by Fire Captain Randall Richmond may not have been as airtight as previously thought. Remember, Randall was the last person to speak with Brandy on the telephone before she vanished. He said he was on duty at the fire station, and he never left that night. After all, his crew would have heard the bay doors open if he were to have driven the fire captain's vehicle out. But Sid Liddell learned that a second captain's vehicle was sitting outside the station and could have been accessed at any point and quietly. And that is an extremely important detail. Because, remember, Palm Bay police officer Jasmine Campbell filed a tip sheet, a tip that was misplaced for years, that she saw a fire captain's vehicle parked at the Hess gas station moments before she saw Brandy's truck nearby with two people sitting in it before midnight on the very night Brandy went missing. And she was sure that it was Brandy's truck, the same one pulled from a pond the following day. Here's how Sid found out about the second fire captain vehicle.
2: In a conversation with one of the retired firefighters. With
1: Jim Bliss, right? Is that? uh, Yes, yes, okay.
2: I said, how in the hell did he get that car down there? And because the police officer that saw that thing down the Hess is a bond beyond reproach. Why would she say that?" And Bliss says, because he had another vehicle. He said, I just remembered. Uh-oh. He went outside to call. He was already outside. Yeah. When her call came in, he hopped in that truck. He went down to, to Hess Station. He locked it. He got out, locked it up, got in her truck. They went down by Home Depot, talked. That's where the cops saw him. But she got out and checked. One just thought maybe something was wrong, but the the fire vehicle was locked. Yeah. And, And she scared them off.
1: Now, it should be noted that the two fire captain vehicles that Richmond allegedly had access to were very similar except for the numbers painted on them and the fact that one had a diesel engine and the other ran on gasoline, meaning one was louder than the other. Sid speculates that the two lovers then drove to the secluded pond near the intersection of Treeland and San Filippo in Palm Bay, where Brandy, whether accidental or intentional, met her end. I
2: know from, from talking with people that Brandy and the unnamed person there were arguing constantly for almost a week that she was trying to convince him to leave his wife. And he kept saying, no, I'll not leave her. He had a tremendous investment in that house. Um, He and his wife were making excellent money. They got three nice kids, got a beautiful home. He could not see starting all over again. And he just kept saying, no. I don't know what happened, but it could be that Brandy got, had lost her temper. Maybe she hit him a couple of times, could have pulled a gun on him. I don't know what happened. I just don't know what happened in that truck. If he pushed her or grabbed for the gun and hit her, with her head being like it was in the side of her face, it was probably pretty fragile. She could have hit something and broke something loose in her head because we know the blood came out of her head. Logically, her nose or her mouth. I have really looked at this thing for hours at a time Was it an accident? Was it self-defense? Quite frankly, I don't know.
1: The fact that the authorities have not been able to piece together enough of a case based on that information, and the fact that Randall lied to police initially, is something that Brandy's husband, Jeff Hall, just can't get over. He feels the police should be focused more on why the fire captain's vehicle was out that night when his wife went missing.
3: But it just seemed to never go that route, and it it just... That's when I really, honestly, 100% gave up hope. At that point in time, when I heard the stories going on about that, and then I came to the police department, I truly at that point gave up hope. They don't give a shit. This is dead to them, and this is where we going to lay. And so not unless these guys are doing this on their own, dig up something to prove to the state attorneys, we'll never know.
1: I have been in contact with Jim Bliss, and he seemed interested in being interviewed for the podcast, but it just hasn't worked out. I'm still trying, so maybe we'll hear from him on the next episode. I asked Sid if there was ever any thought to arresting Randall on some sort of obstruction of justice charge that you see on TV all the time, and his answer kind of surprised me.
2: That was talked about during one of the interrogations that we're going to put him in the slammer because that first night. He hadn't seen her, and he hadn't done this and all that, and then he comes in and halfway squares it away. But I understand one of these city fathers from City Hall over there put the kibosh on the arrest, and they were told, no, don't arrest him. Uh, Really? I don't know why. Maybe it was, you know, hey, let him loose and let him build a good case and really get him. But I don't know. I wasn't there then, so.
1: I sincerely hope that was the reason not to make an arrest at the time because even if Randall had nothing to do with this, his lie to the police cost them 48 hours. As the years have passed, Randall and his now ex-wife Anne-Marie have refused to speak with police since that new information about a fire vehicle being seen was discovered. Again, here is now retired Palm Bay detective Ernie Diebel. As
0: always, we've said that um, since I took over the case, um, Randall Richmond and his wife, ex-wife, now Anne, I would like to speak with um, since um, he was last spoke to, there there have been a number of things come up, new things that um, we would like to speak with him, see what he has to say about it, uh, more questions. Um, also, I'd like him see, you know, we also like to have his DNA and fingerprints to compare to some things we have.
1: We haven't spoken a lot about Anne-Marie Richmond So far, except that we know she and Brandy had a pretty significant argument regarding Brandy's relationship with Randall during the Grant Seafood Festival. It was an event which got a lot of people talking and which Randall tried downplaying, saying the rumors were exaggerated when asked about it by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement.
0: When, when Ann and Brandy got into it at the Seafood Festival. Well, I was telling him that wasn't what somebody on the internet said it was. Mm-hmm. There was things on the internet that we were reading, but that is not what, it was not this big, huge, blown up drama. Mm-hmm. But anyway, go ahead with what you Well, uh, You know, regardless of how big it was or not, I know mm-hmm. there was a confrontation. Yeah, there was, the there was, yeah. And that confrontation, according to, some testimony is that Brandy had told her, why are you wearing your wedding band? I can have your man at any time. Now, whether that's true or not, this is some of the things that were coming back and some of the things that were obviously fueling this, this
1: conflict. And according to the police, as well as numerous people interviewed by Sid Liddell, that wasn't the only evidence of bad blood between the two women. Apparently, they exchanged angry texts quite often. According to Jeff Hall the couples stopped hanging out together and watching each other's kids.
3: It just got really ugly, you know, and you know, we adored the, their kids. You know, the kids always hung out with us and we watched the kids and stuff like that. And, and and I think it all started when over the kids, she refused to let the kids come near Brandy, you know, myself and I think that's what really started it off.
1: According to Sid's investigations, Anne-Marie, who worked as a nurse at a nearby hospital, worked that night, August 17, 2006, until 11 o'clock. Could she have driven by and spotted her husband's truck or Brandy's truck and followed? Could she know what happened to Brandy? In 2009, the Palm Bay Police contacted Richard Walter, a noted forensic psychologist who is one of the founders of the world's premier group of cold case investigators the VDOC Society. Walter was lecturing somewhere when Palm Bay detective Ernie Diebel met him and brought up Brandy's case. He asked Walter to take a look. Walter reviewed more than 20 hours of police interviews before offering an opinion to the Palm Bay police. Here is part of the emailed response from forensic psychologist Richard Walter to the Palm Bay police force, November 30th, 2009. Quote, In brief, While the investigative effort has eliminated almost every tangential lead, it remains that the primary person of interest has received only nominal attention. That is, as suggested in at least four interviews, Anne Richmond is the primary suspect that cannot be excluded by motive, method, and opportunity. Furthermore, the situational deceptions presented to the investigators, be it commission and or omission, indicate that Randall Richmond has knowledge and some complicity with the same. End quote. Here is Sid Liddell. What do you think happened at the pond?
2: It could not have been planned simply because the police officer circled around there, saw that. I have read that case probably ten times and I've talked with people, FBI and Mr. Uh, Walters, and they all want to know what the motive is. What is the motive? Why did she die? And I cannot come up with one. There is no reason for her to have died. And Mr. Uh, Walters, he identified my identified uh, person and his wife as being
1: suspects. Sid, however, after a few interviews with her, has ruled out Anne-Marie, though I'm not sure I totally agree with his logic. I asked him about it while his dogs, Bonnie and Clyde, were yapping away in the yard. Why why have you ruled her out in your mind?
2: Because she went straight home after she got off shift at 1130 that night. How do we know that? I've talked to several people. Another thing is, she religiously went home because she had three kids in that house. And I think they were all in high school at the time. And uh, kids will be kids. Three boys. She went home. She (laughs) Made sure that they were in the bed.
1: Okay, so then I asked Sid if it was possible that Anne Marie, who worked at nearby Palm Bay Hospital, drove by and saw her husband.
2: Possible, yeah. Yeah. But not probable. Okay. Not probable. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because she didn't get, she left out after 11 o'clock. You know, granted, it was around the same time, but no.
1: Despite Sid's assurances, Police have told me they still want to talk with both Anne-Marie and Randall. Several of the police officers interviewed by Sid relay the story of how Anne-Marie acted when she arrived at the police station that Sunday when Randall was telling police that Brandy had run away. They say she reacted angrily and even struck Randall, causing his glasses to cut into his nose. The witnesses say her reaction was to the admission that Randall and Brandy were having an affair. That's odd, because Jeff Hall said, if you believe him, that is, that Anne-Marie had assumed there was an affair going on between Brandy and her husband, even as Jeff doubted it. In his interview with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, Randall states that his wife's irritation toward Brandy had something to do with how much Randall seemed to be doing for her. Here's Tom Davis asking questions.
0: Yeah, what I mean, leading up to her disappearance, I mean, did My you... Role. I mean, were you, was, you're pretty significant to I, her. Was, I was Mr. Fix-It for him, you know.
2: that she didn't just use you, did
0: she? I mean, well, there was some feeling. Yeah. My wife had had different things to say about that. Yeah, I mean, right, sure she about she that. thought that I was, she thought that I was used to a, to a very big extent. Really? Yeah, you know. Why? Because of the stuff you had to do, or? just all the stuff that I did with them, all the stuff that I helped them with, the um, you know, right down to signing my name to a piece of equipment, you know, that was leased, and um, I never did have to make a payment on it, no, but, you know, that was all.
1: Anyway, the years pass, and a notation from Sid in his private notes from April 2014 is telling. He writes, In reviewing the case... It is almost unbelievable that the perpetrator could have been so lucky in an unplanned event.
2: But this one, there is nothing. There, there's, I can't find anything. You know, the assigned detectives at the police department have beat this thing to death. Um, and I have two. You sit around and second guess yourself. What if? You know, play the iffy game. And, you know, I keep putting signs up. And then I ask myself why. It's to keep the public informed that, hey, she's still missing. Maybe one of these days, that person who is very important to the case will say something to somebody. But I, I don't think anybody out there, other than the guy who did it, knows what's going on.
1: Also in his notes is a quote from 1800s crime fighter Thomas Burns. Quote, it is not remorse that makes the hardened criminal confess. It is anxiety and mental strain. End quote. So Sid and the police begin to ply the heat a bit more on the Richmonds. They search the adjoining property with ATVs and motorized gliders. They also do several searches with cadaver dogs. And Sid, well, Sid keeps hanging signs all over town including hanging them as close to the Palm Bay Fire Department beer tent at the Grand Seafood Festival as he can, so Randall and those who worked with both Randall and Brandy will see them. It's interesting that Sid will not use Randall's or Marie's names when he's being recorded. And this man who you uh, have been talking about, the, the, uh, in your eyes, he's the main suspect, I guess. And. <laughs>
2: I'll just remain with unidentified person.
1: But has he ever spoken to you? Oh,
2: yeah. I've talked to him quite a few times. There are things that we've done to keep the stress up as far as we can. Yeah. And I look back now, and I think, well, they're divorced. Uh, They're each dating other people. Um,
1: It cost that guy a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. And so what were some of the things? You hung signs, what else did you you, you also called him a few times and like approached him, right? And yeah, I approached
2: him. I'd see him down at the seafood festival and I talk with him. I'd tell him, Hey, it's quiet up here, man. I'm not mad at you. Give me the give me the body and I'm gonna quit. Yeah. You know, I'm like I say, I was a cop a long time ago, but I'm not certified now. So if he says, Okay, well, let me take you, i said, say, uh uh-uh. uh no, you take somebody else. I'm just a seventy eight year old guy. Yeah. And that's it.
1: It's rare to drive through Palm Bay or Malabar and not see one of the Brandy Hall is missing signs. On the other hand, Randall has never changed his story. As a last resort, during the Florida Department of Law Enforcement interview with Randall, agents Wayne Ivey and Tom Davis tried appealing to his conscience as they wrapped up their questioning in 2007.
0: She's got two little kids that oh, no don't know where their mom is. I know. You know and that's, that's I know. probably, other than the governor ordering me to do this investigation, that's probably the biggest driving force behind me right now. She's got two little kids that are going to wake up two days from now on Christmas and still not know where their mom is. Yep. And, you know, for no other matter, I mean, she's dead. We all know that. For no other matter, there needs to bring some closure to this. Do you think she... So she I, I, I still... I and, still, and, uh, one I, of your wounds I'm so Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, she, yeah. Trust really. me. God. Yeah, she's dead.
2: She's dead and disposed of somewhere we don't know. She, We're didn't close on and that. And she didn't have a decent Christian burial or whatever the hell. I mean, we all got that, you know, do us a decent burial.
1: In January 2018, Randall, through his attorney, Alan Landman, answered a few of my questions via email. Here are a few of the things he had to say about Brandy. Quote, I don't know if we will ever see her again. I would like to believe we would. End quote. He also said, I had nothing to do with your mother's and daughter's disappearance. I am terribly sorry for your loss and pray you find peace. He also says that he probably should have never gotten as emotionally involved with Brandy as he did. Next time, on the 11th and final episode of Murder on the Space Coast, Season 3, Where is Brandy Hall? Sid Dow's declining health makes his personal investigation a race against time.
2: I'm going to live long enough, even though I've got some serious problems, I'm going to live long enough to get her back.
3: Oh my God. They're my heroes. They really, I mean, these guys are outstanding. They came, they, when they first met me, I was saying, what the hell, these guys, now they got somebody else trying to come And, you know, they interrogated me. I, of course, I, I opened them, I greeted them with open arms, answered every question. Okay, I just can't wait for the day that I can give her a hug, and I just can't wait for that day, and I know it's coming soon. I just believe it in my heart. I just miss, I miss you, Brandy, so much. It's like, somebody please bring my daughter home. It's like, Brandy, where are you? It's like, please somebody bring her home. Whoever you are, please talk. Thank you and God bless you.
1: If you have any information as to Brandy Hall's whereabouts, please call 1-800-423-TIPS. That's 1-800-423-8477. Calls are anonymous and are not recorded. To subscribe to Florida Today, please visit floridatoday.com forward slash W-M-O. For now, I'm news columnist John H. Torres, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to whereisbrandyhall.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, Johnny Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network.